Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So I remember some years ago, this, this guy, he, he got mad at me for something and I remember him saying to me, he goes, you know what? He says that he was leaving the church. He goes, uh, I, I, you know, I just, I'm leaving them because I just don't think you know what you're doing. And I said to him, I said, duh. <laughs> I know that. I don't know what I'm doing. Amen. Tell me something I don't know. I don't pretend to know what I'm doing. Listen, I am showing up and I have not. Listen, but those of you that may be disgruntled because I don't know what I'm doing, let me help you. Okay? I don't. All right? I am showing up, teaching the word of God, trusting the Holy Spirit will take the seed of this word and plant it in your heart and do with it what he does with it best. Once I'm done with that, I'm out. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trusting the Lord. And that's what every minister should be doing. We should be leaning on God and trusting God. And the moment you start leaning and trusting on yourself, in yourself, beware, Will Robinson, beware. Because now it's your work. It's not God's work. God wants us to trust him. God wants us to look to him. Listen, there's no shortage of people who will tell you that, 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 that they've died and seen God. That they've died and seen God. Or, or no shortage of people claiming that they came back from the, from the dead. Or they tell you that they saw a light or they saw an angel image. Or they saw their dear old grandma who, who was calling them to the light. I think of uh, Exodus chapter 33 verse 20. The Bible tells us that no man has seen God and lived. Philip says, show us the Father. The Bible says no man has seen God and lived. Moses wanted to see God. Exodus 33:18. you know the story, don't you? Moses prayed, Lord, please show me your glory. And even though he saw miracles and he had many supernatural experiences and he heard the audible voice of God and he had a bush talking to him. He saw a cloud by day and a fire by night and he had a personal GPS leading them everywhere. Moses watched the Red Sea open up and two and a half million people cross over. He watched the Egyptians drown in the Red Sea. He saw water come up from a rock and manna come down from heaven. He was on the mountain speaking with God and yet he wasn't satisfied. He wanted more. He wanted to see God. And God said, Moses, there's no way you could see my face and live. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to make all my goodness and all my grace and all my mercy pass before you. But I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to put my hand over you. And when I pass by, 
I'm going to take away my hand and you're going to see my back. Exodus 33, 23. In other words, Moses, you're not going to get the full glory, but God will show up. You know what that tells us? That tells us no matter how spiritual you think you are, there should always be, listen to me, write this down if you need. There should always be a holy tension in your life. Or there should always be a a, a holy dissatisfaction in your life. In other words, you are not satisfied where you are spiritually. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You should never be satisfied where you are spiritually. Because wherever you are, you could go further. No matter how deep you are, you can go deeper still. Wasn't it Moody who said God's word is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and is shallow enough for a baby to swim in? I don't care how deep you think you are, you can go deeper still. There should always be a holy dissatisfaction in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A holy dissatisfaction. And David said, Psalm 17, 15, David said it like this. He said, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied When I wake in your likeness, we should always want more of God. David said, I won't be satisfied with where I am in the Lord until I see his face in heaven. David said, I'm not going to stop growing. I'm not going to stop moving forward in things of God until I awake, David said, in his likeness. You've heard me say that we should all have a holy dissatisfaction with where we are in our spiritual growth. Because the day that you think you've arrived spiritually, are you listening? The day that you think you've arrived spiritually, that the day you think you made the grade spiritually, the day you feel satisfied where you are, this is the day that you're spiritually dead. Paul the Apostle one of the most spiritual men to ever walk the face of the earth. And he said it like this. He wasn't satisfied. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, not that I've already attained or have already been made perfect, but I press on that I might lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me, brother, and I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, Somebody read it with me. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm not satisfied with my spiritual place. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm secure. Yes, I'm in his hand. And no, no man can pluck me out, but I haven't arrived yet. And I need to keep moving forward. I'm not satisfied with my spiritual progress. So whether it's what I know, I need to know more. Whether it's what I do, I need to do more. Or whether it's what I be, I need to be more in God. There's a holy tension. You getting that? A holy tension and a dissatisfaction spiritually. Paul says, I need to keep moving on and pressing on. And if you don't press on and you don't persevere in your faith, It's only proof that you never had faith. You truly never saw Jesus. It has been said, if your faith fizzles before you finish, it's because it was faulty from the first. Get the CD. In our text, Philip had been with Jesus for three years. He knew a lot about Jesus, but he didn't know enough. Until you understand the relationship between knowing Jesus and knowing the Father, you really don't know Jesus. We learned last week Jesus is the only way to know God. 
And he's the only one who died to pay the price for our sins. And Jesus is the only one who died to remove the things that keep you from knowing God. You cannot know God without knowing Christ first. Look at verse 11. Jesus said, believe me. He doesn't say, show me. He says, believe. Philip asked for sight. Jesus gave him faith. This is what Christianity is all about. Am I right about it? It's about faith, yes? Believing. If you came to Calvary Chapel expecting to see a miracle, you won't. If you came to Calvary Chapel expecting to hear the booming voice of God, you won't. If you came to Calvary Chapel expecting to see the face of God, you won't. If you came expecting some supernatural, ecstatic phenomena, you won't experience it. If you expect to see your dead auntie, you won't see her or anybody else. Praise the Lord. This church is about faith, not by sight. Christianity is about believing. It's not all seeing. It's not all about miracles and phenomena. And I personally, I don't know about you, but I don't want to see any of these things. I want to see one thing. And the one thing I want to see is Jesus. And I want the Lord to increase my faith by this book. How about you? Three and a half years had gone by. And Philip and the others didn't have sufficient faith to settle their troubled hearts by just believing the words of Jesus. Interesting. They had miracles. They had signs and wonders. But none of these things produced real faith and trust in Jesus. Listen, at the end of the day, after experiencing all the miraculous You need to know Jesus for yourself. Am I right about that? You're going to need to know and have a good working knowledge of the word of God. Why? Because miracles, signs, and wonders, dancing in the spirit, speaking in tongues, none of those things mean nothing when trials and tribulations come. I know what I'm talking about. They don't. Oh, I've I've been there, done that. I went to a church where every week we, we danced in the spirit. We had a good time. Y'all remember the Blues Brothers? That's what church every Sunday for us. I mean, we, I mean, we had church, man. We would, y'all, y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. We would dance and jump over the pews and swing from the ceiling. And woo, we had a good time. And you leave church and people go, hey, how was church? You go, woo, the spirit was high. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Ooh, hallelujah. Spirit was high. Ooh. Spirit was high. What y'all learned at church today? I don't know, but we sure did have a good time. Ooh, I'm tired. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We used to run around the church. I'll never forget. I told y'all this. The pastor told us to run around the church seven times. We physically run around the church and run around seven times. On the seventh time, everybody Shout. So we ran around the church from the second time, seventh time around. Everybody shout, yes! I said, how you feel? Praise the Lord. I said, tired. I mean, you get your cardio, but what do you learn about Jesus? All of these things. All of these things, listen, don't mean a thing. When you go through trials and you go through suffering and you have uh, get, get bad news and you get a letter or you get a call from a doctor that you have cancer, none of that means anything. You need to know the word of God. When somebody comes against you, I'm waiting while you clap your hands. 
When people come against you and situations come against you, you need to know no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You need to know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. That's what you need to know. And dancing in the spirit and speaking in tongues and all that might be fun, but it won't get you through trials. You need the word of God. You need a knowledge of Jesus. I need to move to point number two. Y'all say amen. I can't believe it. Look, at we got to listen quick. I want y'all to listen quick. All right, listen quick. Point number two, the revelation of his power in them, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, you looking at verse 12? See, I'm looking at it. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do. Most assuredly, says, means amen, amen. I say to you, he who believed in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works, underline that, greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Jesus says, if you believe on him and the works that he does, you will do greater works than these. Now, the only way that you will be able to do greater works is if Jesus goes away to the Father and then sends the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, are y'all listening? And when the Holy Spirit comes, then the ability to do miracles can happen. This is the great comfort and the revelation of his power. They're thinking if Jesus dies and goes away, there goes the power. That means we're going to be reduced to nothing. It's all over. And Jesus, are you know, getting this? Jesus turns the tables and he says, when I go away, you're going to do greater things. The greater things are, write this down, greater in scope and extent. Greater in scope and extent. Every born again believer has the resonant power of God in them. And because of that, you have the ability to do greater works than Jesus. The greater works than Jesus doesn't refer to signs and wonders. The greater works than Jesus refers to spiritual miracles. The greater works that they will do is spiritual work. The disciples did spiritual miracles that Jesus never did in his day. Stay with me. Acts chapter 2. Peter preached and prayed and 3,000 got saved. Did that ever happen in Jesus' ministry? No, it never did. Did the gospel go to the Gentiles in Jesus' time? No, never did. It took Peter to reach Cornelius' house and Paul to reach the Gentiles. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't do it. Jesus designed not to do it. And even today, there are spiritual miracles happening at every tick of the clock all over the world. These are the greater things that Jesus never saw. You know, some people think that the greater miracle is a healing of cancer or the healing of the disease or or lengthening legs or giving sight to the blind. Listen, those miracles are great, but they're not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is the miracle of someone being born again. The greatest miracle is that of salvation. Think about it. Jesus' voice was never heard by the entire world. Within Jesus' lifetime, the word had not spread and saturated the known world. The word spread because of a little church in Jerusalem in the first century. And it spread from there all the way to Calvary Chapel Cary in 2014. Today, the word is heard through CDs and tapes and satellite radio and AM, FM radio and 
internet and podcasts and Facebook and Twitter. The word goes out all different kinds of ways. Yeah, I've got some letters here. With the interest of time, I don't have time to read them, but I get letters and, and emails and Facebook inboxes all the time from people who tell me that they listen to the various radio markets that, that I'm on, and they tell me that they, that they listen and God's word is changing them and they're thanking me for teaching God's word. And one letter I got that I will never forget as long as I live, this guy wrote me and told me that, that he was riding up the freeway and he heard the word of God and God's word touched his heart. He pulled over on the shoulder of the freeway, gave his life to Jesus Christ, and then kept on going to work. And you tell me that's not a great miracle. That is, that, that's, a, that's a great miracle. That's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is salvation. Right? That's the greatest miracle. Our last and final point, we've got to move on. The revelation of his promise for them in verse 13 and 14. Please look at it. And whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. And if you should ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now listen, that's an awesome promise. Did you know? There are 7,847 promises that God made to the believer in the Bible. Huh? You get that? 7,847 promises that God made to the believer. And one of them is whatever you ask in my name, Jesus said, I will do it. Now, unfortunately, some people read this verse like a blank check. Amen. And they forget to read the part that my father may be glorified. Hmm. Write this in your margin, John 15, 7. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now listen, there's a qualifying statement to both these verses. The qualifying statement in John 14, 13 is ask in my name. Ask in my name. That's the qualifying statement. And John 17, pardon me, John 15, 7, the qualifying statement is if you abide in me. Some people use Jesus' name like it's a magical word or like it's a, a, a sign-off to the end of their prayer. So they pray a prayer and then they say, in Jesus' name. And, but somehow they believe that if they just say in Jesus' name, that Jesus is obligated to answer their prayer. It's almost like a sign-off for them, like a, you know, uh, say a prayer and then they say, Roger Dodger, over now. 10-4, good buddy. You know, like a sign-off of some sort. Listen, to pray in Jesus' name or in the name of Jesus means to pray in the nature of Jesus, to pray in the character of Jesus, to pray in the person of Jesus. In other words, you're praying in full identification with Jesus. When you pray in full identification with Jesus, that eliminates the give me this and the give me that. Did you get that? When you pray in full identification with Jesus, that eliminates the give me this and the give me that, and I want this and I want that. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're praying for what is consistent with the will of God. We're asking for whatever is in harmony with the will of God, he will do that. You pray, Lord, I ask you to do this in Jesus' name, what is in harmony with the will of God. That is the prayer that God will say yes to. Jesus, I ask you to save my son. God, set my daughter free from crack cocaine. Huh? 
Lord, I pray that you would save my wife. Save my husband in Jesus' name. Are y'all getting me? This is what is in character and in the nature of God. Listen, asking God for a pink, purple, purple polka dotted Cadillac is not in harmony with the will of God. I'm going to preach to you. Amen. Amen. That's not, that's not in harmony with the will of God. What does God, what does God care whether you have a pink polka dot Cadillac or not? Now, you might say, Lord, you know, Father, in Jesus' name, I need some wheels. And some rims on it would be nice. No, I'm just kidding. kidding. I need some wheels, Lord, because I need to get to church. Or, God, I need to get to work so that I can be about your business and give to the kingdom and all of these things as a result of me having a car. Father, whatever car you choose to give is your business, Father, in Jesus' name. You hear people, and I mean, I've been in some prayer circles, oh my goodness, and, and people praying and caring, Lord, I, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray, I decree and declare. That's, that's, that's big buzzword in the church now, y'all. I decree and declare. And that's a, that, I guess that must mean it's cemented in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God. I decree and declare. Lord, that you will give me a 10,000-square-foot home with a pool and a tennis court and a basketball court and a double grill and a couple of fire pits. In Jesus' name, I believe it is done. I name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. Amen! you like praying, you're going... Is anybody hearing what I'm hearing? This is crazy. You don't need to decree and declare something that is definitely not necessarily in the will. You don't need all that. Lord, I need a place to live. How about that? God, provide according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How about that? Come on, clap your hands and say amen. Okay, I'm coming in for a landing. Here you go. James chapter 4, verse 3, he says this. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. In other words, you're asking for the wrong stuff. We pray in identification with God, what is in harmony with the will of God. And it is those prayers, I guarantee you, according to the word of God, that he says, I will do it. Verse 14, I will do it. Prayer isn't getting your will done in heaven. Prayer is getting God's will done on earth. Prayer isn't an argument with God trying to get God to move things your way. Prayer is an exercise where we move ourselves his way. Prayer isn't overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. It's not, oh, come on, God, look at it this way. It's not my will, but what? Somebody help me. But thy will be done. That's how you pray and trust. God will bless you. God will honor you. God will take care of you because you're his child. He knows exactly what you need before you even ask. He knows what you need before you at your child. 
Of course he's going to provide all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I don't care what your need is. Pastor, you don't understand. I don't understand. You're right. And I don't need to understand. God understands what you need before you ask. And sometimes you will pray and God will say yes. And sometimes you will pray and God will say no. That's the answer of prayer too, by the way. No is an answer. Say amen. No is an answer. And wait. And wait. Not now. That's an answer. But we need to be willing to say, not my will. I don't know what I need tomorrow. I don't know what I need tomorrow. I can't even presume to know what Rodney needs. But God knows the end from the beginning. And because he knows the end from the beginning, I can trust him no matter what. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.